Hello, sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, and today we have another episode with the one, the only, Robbie Robertson. And today we are talking about some of the best parenting tips we have ever received. And y'all, it's good. Some of the stuff might seem a little basic for some of you, but it's changed the way we show up as parents, how we parent, and truly our relationship with our son as well. So let's do this jingle and then we will dive right in. Welcome to the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, Jesus freak, mom blessed by adoption, wife, wonderluster, and your intentional living and biblical mindset coach. If you're here, you're likely a busy woman wearing multiple hats, the most important of which being child of God and mom simultaneously. You have a desire to live more intentionally, striving to be a good steward of all the gifts that God has given you, and you want more productively peaceful days. Well, you're in the right place, sister, because that is exactly what we do here. First, building on a foundation of faith with purposeful priorities while mastering our mindset and implementing simple self-care. So mama, grab your coffee or strap your kiddos in the car seat and let's jump into today's episode. All right. So here we go. We were actually just talking before we hit recording, before we hit record. And I was like, I don't know if I should have you on the podcast anymore, Robbie. And I was like, I don't know if these episodes are like hitting home with the audience, right? Like who wants to hear from my husband? I know we have great conversations, but then I was looking back at the statistics and we just looked out of the top 14 episodes y'all have listened to. Robbie is on like five of them, which is, that's a pretty high number. I feel pretty privileged. Um, you're the, you're the guest that shows up the most, but I mean, you've got some pretty high numbers on on your listen and downloads per episode. So I think I'll keep you around for the sake of my numbers. <laughs> no, really, it sounds like y'all are getting some value from this. I've heard some feedback on, on some specific episodes that you guys have really liked. And uh, we just really, really love bringing this information to you guys, because even if one thing we say can help you in marriage and faith and um, in between your relationships, your family dynamics, and then today's episode about parenting, then we're all for it. What do you say, Robbie? I'm just excited to be here. And I think it's always just, it's such a fun time. We always have good discussions. So even if I was like, you know, every episode with me was like your bottom most, I'd still love to be here just because I like spending time with you and it's lots right. of fun. And I like what we get to talk about. All right. Well, if y'all want to weigh on in this, um, this debate, keep Robbie or kick him out the door. No, I'm just kidding. But you can totally jump into the Intentional Abundant Life. Really, it's the Intentional Abundance Community. Jump into the Intentional Abundance Community and let us know. Do you love these episodes with Robbie? Uh, do you not so much? We might keep, we'll probably keep him around to the end of this year, regardless if you like him or not. And then we'll go from there. But gee, thanks. You're so gracious. <laughs> 
Today, we're going to jump into these parenting tips that we have for y'all. We've titled this episode five of the best parenting tips that we have ever received. And y'all, there's a lot more than five that we could probably come up with, but these are just some of the ones that people had mentioned to us in passing or we learned from our parenting coach um, or TikTok, and they've really resonated with us. They've really changed the way that we go about parenting, how we show up in our um, parenting relationship and how we interact um, with each other and our kids. So starting off, number one is to ask the question. We learned this. It was through the Connected Families Framework, and our coach was Joy Wendling. She has been on the podcast. She's in the Intentional Abundance community, um, and she's a Connected Families um, Framework certified coach, I think. (laughs) She does way more than that. Um, Playfully Faithful Parenting is her podcast. You can go check that out. But this is one of the number one things um, that we learned in the program is asking, what is going on in me? I think a lot of times we can come into these situations, especially with little kids, where we can just become uber frustrated in the moment if they're overreacting or maybe not listening or, you know, made a mistake or accident or something else where it, it's something actually that's going on with us. Either our schedule's too loaded. We feel really rushed. We feel really busy. They're not listening. Uh, and we're making it mean something about us or there's something else completely unrelated to this parenting, um, parent child relationship or dynamic unrelated to even the circumstance that's going on sometimes that we have emotional triggers or responses or whatever going on with us. And so taking a moment, taking a breath before we respond to our kids has been so incredibly helpful for us to just sit and ask like, okay, what is going on with me? Why am I so triggered? Why am I so frustrated in this moment right now? And how can I like address me before going into the situation of addressing this circumstance or what's going on in them. Yeah. I feel like a lot of outside factors that will occur to us during a day will dictate how we respond to like different situations. Like we can be presented with the same scenario of like, you say your kid knocked, this actually happened a few weeks ago. Your kid knocks over your coffee mug and like, it was a nice coffee mug that got destroyed that my wife bought me. It was a special gift. It wasn't anything like, extremely expensive. It wasn't made out of like unobtainium, but it was meaningful. You know, it had meaning to me. And then uh, my son looked me dead in the face and pushed it off the table and it shattered on the ground. And I handled that moment, surprisingly, with a fair amount of grace because one, I'd gotten some of the coffee out of the cup. I was angry with him, but I dealt with it really well because it was like, okay, this is what happened. You did this. You need to go stand in timeout. You need to help daddy clean this up. And that's what it is. Had I just come home from a really rough day at work and that exact same thing would have happened and this would have been just another thing on the pile, I probably would have blown up at him. And I know this because there are other times when I've totally blown up at him before Mm. and it wasn't always totally fair to him. And now, regardless of whether he was, you know, in the wrong and deserving of it, that's besides the point because we're not talking about my kid. We're not talking about our kids. We're talking about us. Yeah, we get to make that choice every day. But those outside factors, they will trickle in and they will weigh on us and they will tug on us in a big way. I think, yeah, some of those things for me that I notice is like a thread or a theme is if I have too much on my schedule, if I'm lacking on sleep, if I'm in a rush to try and get something done or if I'm 
like very distracted into something I want to be doing, not paying attention to the kid, you know, and then, and then something happens. Like those are moments where it's definitely, it's all about me and what's going on in me that ends up being like, it turns into this very like triggering moment for me where I can have a tendency to not respond. And I just have to stop and say, okay, Sasha, you're only like really upset about this because you're in a hurry. It's better to be five minutes late than to like, have allow this to like come in between the relationship with your son. So definitely asking that what's going on in me. Absolutely. And as the adult in the dynamic, you know, the child is only going to be responsive as a, as a child where as the adult, we have the blessing and the curse of being self-reflective. So we can, we have the ability to take that minute. And when we make the conscious choice, the conscientious choice not to take that minute, that's us failing, Mm. not the child. It's never honestly on the kid for, the emotional response evoked from you. Um, but they are responsible for their actions. Mm-hmm. And that I'm not saying that they're not accountable or responsible for their actions. And that does need to be dealt with. But I kind of think in car terms, when uh, it comes to how you react and respond to this. Um, and like, I think the biggest thing takeaway is to take a minute. So in your car suspension, you have shocks. And if you have blown shocks and you hit a bump, what happens to your car? It bottoms out. It bounces all over the place. The car does every kind of thing you want it to do or everything kind of thing it'll do except exactly what you want it to, which is stop bouncing around. If you have good shocks, they absorb it. Everything kind of compresses. It comes back and you get settled back into your normal drive sooner. Most of the time, you don't even notice the big bump in the road. We are the same way. You need that minute as your shock, because if you don't have your shocks in order, if your shocks are blown, the car bounces around for too long, you bounce around for too long. You are now left in a cycle of being aggravated and frustrated and not being able to properly deal with what's going on. And it's a very strong possibility that your reaction and response to how your child is acting is going to instigate them even further because your frustration is going to flood to them. They're going to sense your feelings, pick up on it, and it's just going to be fire, meat, and fire. And it's going to get, it can very easily get bad. And yeah. I know you know what I'm talking about out there because you've definitely been through it. I think that is like a whole other tip and like <laughs> that we didn't have on our list is like, don't match their energy. Like they are a, a child, regardless of their age baby, toddler, you know, young adolescent where um they're less emotionally regulated than you or at least they should be, right? We as adults have a greater responsibility in emo- in uh, regulating our emotions, although some of us have been pretty ill-equipped to do so depending on how we were raised. But I just wanted to touch back on this whole thing Robbie said about like you have failed. Um We're going to give a tip here shortly that has to do with that. So if you're clinging and hanging on that, like you have failed, we have a way to overcome that here um, in a moment. Yeah. And if we're going to throw scripture on this, if you need proof, then it's in James 119. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So listen to your kids. Don't you speak up too quickly and don't get mad at them too fast because they're going to screw up again, but they're also going to be really cute again too, which is really helpful. Uh, Another tip that we'd gotten into, this is one of my favorite. We actually learned this from one of your coaches. Um, I remember it was a day that 
I don't remember if we were, uh, it was an invitation for the spouses to be on the call that day, or if I just happened to be, you know, dropping eaves, because that's like one of my favorite things to do during some massages coaching calls is, um, it was totally unrelated to the subject matter of what the coaching call was just a, like a little aside at the end. And the guy teaching said the best advice I ever got when my kids turned about two years old and they moved into their toddler beds, they got a clock in their room with an alarm and it said, or not, I don't know if they had an alarm, um, just a clock. And it said, when this says 830, 830, then you are allowed to get up and you cannot get up before then. And he gave his children responsibility over their bodies, responsibility over their actions, responsibility over their character to honor that and to have the responsibility to only get up at or after 830. And it was always okay for them to sleep till after 830. But getting up before then was not okay. And this was a huge cornerstone for him that we implemented almost immediately after our son moved from his crib to his toddler bed and he could get up. And we go through seasons of it being a little bit of a battle, but we've, we've really held the, uh, really held the line of, you know, if he gets up at seven o'clock, like, nope, got to go back to bed. And we actually use an automated light because I'm not sure he can read the clock quite yet, but the, the light is pretty clear, you know, lights off, you stay in bed. If the lights on, you can get up. Yeah. I think it's really cool because somebody had mentioned to me too about, a. Like before he was in his toddler bed, before we had implemented any of this, they mentioned to me about this okay to wake light or something along that those lines. So we opted for the hatch light is what it's called. And you can just snag it on Amazon or whatever. I don't like to promote Amazon, especially after somebody just stole my husband's birthday present out of a package in the mail. Pretty sore about that, as you can tell. Tip number six. Um, <laughs> We just ordered it on Amazon. I think you can go to hash.com probably and order it. The really cool thing about the hatch light is um, you can control it from your phone. You can set all these different sounds or lights. You can set schedules that will turn on and off automatically. So we have it every day um, automatically turns on the light at 830. So it's really cool. We can have these schedules. And if he ever gets up out of bed before 830, we always just ask him, is your light on? And like, he knows now. And we even started this before he went to his toddler bed. We've had the light for over a year now. We started it when he was in his crib um, and just kind of training him in that way that if the light's not on, you need to stay in your room at least. And so it's grown since then. He's allowed to be up if he wakes up before that and he's adamant about being awake. He can stay awake. He can turn his lights on. He can read books in his room, but he's not to come out of his room until 830 unless he needs to go to the toilet. So it's been a really cool thing. There have been times that my mom or Robbie, you know, can sometimes get a little bit weaker with it where it's like he doesn't stay in bed. So I just let him up. Um, I'm the one that's like very, very strict and very, um, like, I feel like I have a good discipline about it. And so usually he doesn't fight me on it anymore. Obviously, at first with training anything new, um, you will. So either if you're using a digital clock or a okay to wake light or a hatch light, anything like that, getting your kid into this routine very early on can really help you even as a mom, like respect that morning time where you rise before your kid to work on your um, relationship with God, read scripture, pray your Bible, 
self time, whatever else, like it has been an amazing, amazing thing in our life. Yeah. I've found it to be when I was working day shift, which I'm getting ready to go back to, we were both waking up at the same time in the morning and you had literally hours in the morning before he woke up to get yourself mentally together. And like, you know, sometimes you would take a bath in the morning. Sometimes you would do a, a Bible study. You'd work on whatever you wanted to work on, but you had that time. So when he did wake up, you were like ready, ready. It's not like right now where thankfully this is my last week on this shift. I get home at three o'clock in the morning and you've got calls at six or seven. And the next thing you know, the child is awake and I'm running on five hours of sleep or you're running on less than five hours of sleep. Um, and can you imagine what life would be like if he was just getting up at six mm -hmm. versus eight 30? Yeah. Like it would be un, it wouldn't even be habitable of a lifestyle. Definitely different. <laughs> So our next one that we want to talk about is called the do-overs. This is another one that we learned from the Connected Families Framework with Joy. And honestly, y'all, it's been a godsend for me because in learning this framework in the beginning, I was just, it was a big process, I would almost say, of like reparenting myself. And then even like in those moments where I would mess up, which was frequently where I would like lose my temper or I would get upset or I would like raise my voice or whatever else, like trust me, our home is not like a battlefield. Like we have a good home a lot of the time. Um, but just sometimes in these moments where I wasn't checking what's going on in me and then addressing things in a proper manner, um, I would tap into this frequently and it's the do over. And, um, the way it works is like a few minutes ago when Robbie's like, if you are not regulating your emotions, if you've done whatever X, Y, and Z, then you've failed as the parent. Um, it's, perfect for those moments. So for the moments where, you know, my son spills milk all over the floor, right? Don't cry over spilled milk. But if it's in the middle of this chaotic morning where you're trying to get out the door and you've got, you know, all your phone's blowing up and your husband's working overtime and, or whatever else, like all, like a perfect storm of a situation where just that milk being spilled was like the camel the, what is it called? The straw needle? That, straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back. I always get these like metaphor analogies, <laughs> whatever, like totally <laughs> wrong. Um, so yeah, it, it like, that was just the last straw kind of a thing that made me lose my temper and raise my voice and yell. Like as soon as I recognize, whoa, Sasha, you messed up. I will exercise the do over and I will go back to my son and I will say, Hey, look, mommy did not respond well in that situation. I was very rushed and I was very, um, frustrated and frazzled already. And when you spilled the milk, I did not do really well in handling that moment. So I'm coming back to you to say, I'm sorry, can I have a do over? And then what we'll do is kind of, I don't want to say role play, but, um, I'll ask for his apology and I will say, you know, next time or what I would like to redo is if you spilled the milk, I would say, oh, I'm sorry, bud. That, that was probably an accident, wasn't it? Can you help mommy clean that up? Instead of me yelling at him and telling him to go to the corner while I angrily clean up this mess. And so just exercising that opportunity to do it over in the event that you do um, lose your cool, make a mistake whatever else. It's not the end. It's just a hiccup. And there's some 
ultra good subconscious benefits to doing this too, where your kids are a, they're seeing you vulnerable and human, like, Hey, I made a mistake. And that you are finding reconciliation through the mistake and like how many things are caught, not taught. So if your kids are seeing you, you know, have an emotional reaction, which they're prone to recognizing it and then rolling it back in and saying, Hey, this is where I messed up. Like I'm coming to you. I'm apologizing for how this went. You're not off the hook. You're still going to be accountable, but I'm taking accountability for my actions. They're going to have more inherent respect for you. It's also going to lead to a lot less eggshelling around the house, which is something that I remember going through as a kid. My, I, I grew up in a household where a lot of emotional reactions happened. And then once the emotional reaction happened, that was just the, that was the flavor of the air for the rest of the day. And there was no coming back from it. I don't know if it was ego or somebody that was not self-reflective, whatever it may be. I never had the opportunity to roll it back and do the do-over and then just be accountable for the thing that I did and not accountable for the thing that I did and my parents' emotions in that. Mm. So that's a really good way to help your kids emotionally mature. But then I wouldn't be surprised, we haven't seen it yet, obviously, because our kid's two and a half, if they do something and then they come back and say, mommy, daddy, I want to do over. But we're definitely posturing for that like to be a, a possibility. We're, uh, we're cultivating that, that environment. And I think it's a healthy one because... I mean, when I'm at work and I mess up, if I own up to it, I usually get off pretty much scot-free. I mean, aside from like, you know, the basic accountability portions of it. Um, next thing I'd like to chat about is something that <laughs> TikTok is now making an entrance. This is a TikTok find and it works amazing. If you take away no other tip today, this is the one that will work almost instantaneously. And that is logic overcoming tantrums. So I'll give you the basic science behind it, and then we'll give you some practical examples, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there. So when a child is in a tantrum, it is using a different part of their brain. I forget if it's the medulla or it's a part of the brain that's in like kind of the central and the back part. And it just takes over as the driver. And your brain can only do one main function at a time. Uh, I'm sure that everybody's heard the the phrase, you know, you can't feel pain in two places at once. Or, you know, if you, if you're hurting in one place then scratch another place and it'll relieve the sensation of the pain. If you've ever seen major pain, he will break your finger <laughs> if you're, but you're not thinking about your arm anymore, but you might feel a little pressure. <laughs> this is similar logic, except all the fingers will be intact by the end of it. <laughs> so what you do is you challenge your children with logical questions and logical questions at their level. What you're doing is you are trying to pull them out of that tantrum place where they're crying and stamping their feet and wailing, and they're just completely upset and seeing total red. So we start asking basic questions. Hey, bud, what color is this? How many of these are, are, are here? You know, if there's a curtain that's got a couple moose on it, just, you know, we live in Alaska, there's moose on everything. How many moose do you see? Oh, one, two, three. What color is your shirt? It's red. You get any sort, once you get through the chink of that armor and you get a single response and you keep challenging them with questions, what you're doing is shifting the focus to the frontal lobe, which is the logic center of the brain. It will immediately end the tantrum. Now, 
they can go back into it. So you, you're on delicate ground here, but with a little practice and a little massaging and understanding your kid, you can actually suppress a tantrum and get back to a logical place and then move out of the tantrum stage instead of letting it run its course. Yeah. I think it's really cool too. Like that you can, you can work with us a little bit. Like he said, asking age appropriate questions, but it doesn't mean like, because you're like, Hey, what color is this? And they don't say red. You can ask like, Oh, is this blue? And like, sometimes kids are like, no, you know, it's red, you know? So just find a way that works with your kid to ask these questions, whether they know colors, whether they know shapes, whether they know numbers, letters, um, animals, counting, whatever else it is, ask logical questions on their level. And, um, it works like a charm. We actually did this a couple of weeks ago with a friend's toddler who, he had already had a cookie or two cookies or whatever. And he had just like helped himself to another cookie. Mm -hmm. And they were like, Oh no, slow down, bud. Like, and, and the parents had to have a discussion of like, how many cookies has he had? Is it okay to have another one? And um, they're like, okay, well you can have another one if you ask, you know, for it correctly instead of just helping yourself. And he lost it. Like he was not in a place to ask, can I have a cookie, please? <laughs> he was in a place of like, he already grabbed the cookie. He already thought he was having the cookie and the cookie was taken away from him. Um, so it was just sheer meltdown, screaming, crying, um, maybe even like some kicking or pushing things. And so Robbie politely asked, like, can I try something? And they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, he's just doing this all the time now. It's just this phase we're going through. Um, and so Robbie started asking the questions, but he wasn't having it with Robbie, like still stayed in this tantrum. And then I started asking questions and, and just like shifting a little bit the way that you were asking them. And I was trying to tell him like his, his shirt was blue or I had a butterfly on it. And he was like, no, it's a green dinosaur or something like that. So it worked a little bit at first, but then we had to still keep going and still keep asking these logical questions to progress him further, like pull fully pull him out of the emotional part of the brain into the logical part of the brain. And then it was, you know, now all you need to do is ask, can I have a cookie please? And then he got the cookie. And so it was really, really cool to just like watch this work in an environment that like it wasn't our kid that we had just continued to keep trying this on. It was, it was somebody else's kid. And honestly, I think it could even work on us sometimes too. Like if we are in these, um, like manic states. Yeah. If like we are feeling very emotional, like ask yourself logical questions to really take those thoughts captive in the moment. And it's just like a grounding exercise that can pull you out of those emotional, like fight or flight states and into using like what you know is true and logical questions to shift like where you're coming from. The one part to that, which actually really coincides with our very first point of what's going on in me. Um, and this is a little bit of responsibility that most people probably don't want to hear. I know I don't want to say it, but I know it to be true. So I'm going to say it now and I hope it doesn't get thrown in my face in the future. You have to want to come out of your tantrum state. And I think a lot of times, because, you know, anger is a, it's a defense mechanism and anger is honestly kind of a comfortable place. We, we decide uh, we want to stay in that spot for one, whatever reason. And you have to make the decision. Like, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to be mad right now. Like I have, I, I have other things to do. 
Um, if you can make that decision, then you start asking yourself those logical questions, you'll come out of it. But if you're determined to be in a bad mood, you're going to ask yourself bad mood questions. So be on the lookout for that because it's very easy to fall into that state and you're a grown up, you know better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I've, I spent a lot of time like stuck in emotional states before I had, I had a lot to learn. Um, (laughs) you know, thankfully growing into my late twenties and early thirties, I've, I've grown immensely, um, in that area, but I've definitely been guilty of that, um, for a long time in my life and probably still currently at times, but I have my days. I guarantee I have my days. (laughs) So the last one that we are going to get into today, number five is giving intentional time to your kids before they get to a place of having to fight for it. And I don't even know if this is a tip that somebody gave us, like, or if this is just something that I picked up. Um, if you're in the business world at all, or if you've been to business school, it's kind of the idea of a lead measure over a lag measure. And a lot of times we'll see, and we even saw this the other day where we were like in the middle of binge watching one of our favorite shows and everything was cool at first, you know, and, um, and then our son was just like really wanting our attention, but we were trying to watch the show. So we weren't in a position of wanting to give it to him. So then, and you'll see this with kids all the time. Like if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where they will start fighting for your attention. Like, they'll hit the dog or they'll intentionally do something they know they're not supposed to do, or they'll be jumping around in your face or on your lap or whatever else, whatever they can do to get your attention. Because now they're in a position where they have to fight for it. And you'll hear this a lot where it's like attention for, for kids, even if it's negative attention, even if it's attention where they're being disciplined or um, whatever else, like they will do anything that they have to, to get the attention that they feel like they need. And so I've found when, you know, Robbie gets home from work and gives him an intentional like focus, or when we wake up in the morning, you know, if I sit at the table and eat breakfast with him and then give him like some undivided attention first thing in the morning, it's a lot easier for me to say, okay, now you go play with this while I do whatever else. Um, it puts him in a position where he feels like he has been um, given attention, where his like cup is filled up a little bit, where his needs have been met, where um, where he's important enough to have attention paid to. Then he's able to go off and do his own thing. But if he doesn't get that time up front, then he is kind of in this position of wondering, like, am I going to get this? And how do I go about getting this? And sometimes it can show up in really poor behaviors um, if we're not meeting our kids' needs like in that way. I've also noticed that if you give that that lead time to the child, like I get home from work and I drop my bags and immediately give them a big hug. And then we wrestle a little bit and then I play with them some and just take that time even right after I get home before my bag is completely unpacked. It is less time on the clock that I am spent dedicated to satisfying my child than if he is fighting for my time. You know, 20 minutes spent intentionally with him is better than the 50 minutes of him whining and crying and climbing and kicking and punching and running my foot over with the truck and smacking the dog and getting into stuff and turning the TV off and whatever else. Like the lead time seems to be higher quality than the lag time. So it tends to take less of it to fill the child's cup just as much. But like you're saying, they crave the engagement. And the more 
suppressive you are to that because you're trying to do your own thing, the harder they're going to the grasp for it. So it's it's always a, a much calmer sea when you're up front with it, which isn't easy. It isn't easy. Some days you don't want to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely, you can definitely see the fruits and the shift in your kids when you start doing this practice regularly, when you're intentionally plugging in and engaging them. Um, and if you get to the point of even like putting it on your calendar and getting into this routine where, where they are getting what they need and being filled up, just like we need to do going and seeking the Lord, like first thing in the morning, every single day, if we are feeling filled up, and our needs are met in that way, then we're less likely to fight for the scraps. And so just kind of getting your kids out of that lag measure of having to fight for the scraps, giving them the attention that they need up front can produce some pretty amazing fruits in your family, in your home, and your relationship dynamic with them that can flow into so many other areas. So I think that wraps up our five of the best parenting tips that we've ever received. I hope that you guys have have learned from them. Uh, any takeaways or anything you want to share before we jump off today, Robbie? I'm just glad we got to talk about this because it brings a lot of these things back to the surface for me, which makes me kind of you know readdress how I'm doing things and keeps me kind of doubly accountable. So I've said it out loud. We've said it on the recording. It's immortalized forever. So therefore, I know it to be true. So I can't act like it's not. Right. So... Uh, convicting, but at the same time, it's always a good thing. And uh, I'm excited to, I'm excited to go check out our kiddo again and spend some time with them and hopefully not have too many do-overs, but definitely have time to spend some intentional fun. Right. Let's go.